going to do a little bit of time traveling this week, if that's all right. You ready? Here we go. The year is 1984. A singer-songwriter from Queens, New York, is going through what's quite the rough patch, I think it's safe to say. His famed counterpart, Art Garfunkel, and he had recently split ways. His marriage to Carrie Fisher was crumpling, and his album Hearts and Bones was a commercial failure, if not a flop, making this the first album in the history of his career that did not have one hit on it. Uh, Dejected, depressed, down and out, he took this opportunity, though, when nobody was looking, uh, including the record company. And he used this opportunity to, to, to follow his interest in uh, a, a type of South African music that he had recently become obsessed with. And he not only followed that interest, but he went down there and he collaborated and they produced. And, um, you know, what became of that would become history. The Grammy album of the year and still, to this day, a favorite album of many, myself included, my top album of all time. There is so much despair coming out of South Africa, so many haunting images of death and oppression. Sometimes hard to remember that life there does go on in all of its forms. And a celebration of the black life of South Africa can be heard in this country in a remarkable album called Graceland. There was all of this music that had so much vibrancy and life and excitement and rhythm and the words are amazing you know the boy and the bubble and the baby with the baboon heart come on now that's great <laughs> but for all of the positive reception paul simon would soon find himself front and center in one of the world's you know darkest chapters paul simon's Graceland is a big success but it's also controversial because simon recorded the album in south africa and critics say he should have had nothing to do with a racist country the conscience of the world was the awakening to the horror of apartheid when the artist gets into some sort of disagreement with politics why are the politicians designated to be the ones to tell us the artists what to do and we're supposed to follow we were fighting for our land for our identity we had a job to do and it was a serious job and we saw paul simon coming as a threat and we saw it as an issue because it was not sanctioned as we saw it by the liberation movement and this situation was not about paul simon it was about the liberation of the people of South Africa. Do you believe that a collaboration is possible between musicians? Between you and them, no. Why? You don't understand. Why, because I'm white and they're South African? Well, you are saying something that they, these musicians, in fact, disagree with. So come along as we explore not only the controversial history of this album, but we also get to know the South African musicians that made it what it is, what made it so special. It's a dive into Graceland, part one, and it's Rough Sundays. Bright light 
A shattering of shop windows, the bomb in the baby carriers was wired to the radio. These are the days of miracle and wonder. This is the long distance call. The way the camera follows us in slow mo. The way we look to us all. The way we look to a distant constellation that's dying in a corner of the sky. These are the days of miracle and wonder. And don't cry, baby, don't cry, don't cry. a dry wind and it swept across the desert and curled into the circle of earth and the dead sand falling on the children the mothers and the fathers and the automatic earth these are the days of miracle and wonder this is the long distance call the way the camera follows us in slow mode the way we look to us all oh yeah the way we that's dying in a corner of the sky These are the days of miracle and wonder And don't cry, baby, don't cry, don't cry It's a turnaround jump shot, it's everybody jump start It's every generation throws a hero up the pop charts Medicine is magical and magical is art Think of the boy in the bubble and the baby with the babbling heart And I believe these are days of lasers in the jungle Lasers in the jungle somewhere Staccato signals of constant information A loose affiliation of millionaires and billionaires and babies these are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow mode The way we look to us all, oh yeah The way we look to a distant constellation That's dying in the corner of the sky These are the days of miracle and wonder And don't cry, baby, don't cry, don't cry I cannot tell you how many times I've stolen the line, every generation throws a hero up to pop charts. It's, it's one of hundreds that I steal probably on a weekly basis from this album. It's Rough Sundays, America's Queen. And uh, I thought since we're down in South Africa, we have absolutely had to take a look at, like I said, not only the controversy surrounding the album Graceland, but but more importantly, the musicians from, from South Africa who made this such an iconic album. Um, now with Boy in the Bubble, you know, which we just heard, I would say there are two standouts. You know, if you can if you can go all the way back to the first time you you heard, you heard that kick in, right? 
not knowing what awaited you on the rest of this brilliant album. But uh, I think there are there are two standouts here. The first being the opening accordion. And then that really understated yet really confident bass line. But I had to choose, right? What are we going to focus on, accordion or bass? Um, I decided to choose accordion for two reasons. First of all, the accordionist, accordion-er. A person who plays the accordion was also given songwriting credit, you know, with Paul Simon, which is no easy feat. And the fact that we will focus on the, the that bassist in another track because it's probably one of the most standout bass lines in the history of music. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, back to this first track. Uh, the, accordi- the accordion guy. Uh, oof, wow. A whole line of things I can't pronounce. A uh, guy by the name of Fort... For, you know what? I'm going to... Hang on. I'm going to call him my friend uh, Dave here from South Africa. Who you met before? Because I don't, I don't mind mispronouncing a few things here and there. But this is, these are the musicians of Graceland, right? This is, I can't do that, Dave. That's my best go at it right now. I'll give some thought to where I might be able to find that pronunciation for you, though, to back up what I've just said. God, embarrassing. Yeah. So the guy. Uh huh. Uh, he was from the township of Soweto that, that keeps popping up in these shows from South Africa. I think every show, yeah, every show we've done from here, Soweto plays a, a large part. And so, was in a band called Dawea Matseka. Dawea Matseka. So it's not like Tao. Well, I guess if you say it fast enough, it's like Dawea Matseka. It's definitely Matseka. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the E-A. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going with Dawea Matseka. And while they're not technically from South Africa, um, I shouldn't say technically, they're not from South Africa. They're from the tiny country enveloped inside South Africa called Lesotho. Uh, they and here both are no, they're both, what am I trying to say? They're both knowing about, they're worth knowing about. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, I think it's the, a type of music called FAMO, FAMO. Help me, Dave. That'll be FAMO. FAMO. So that's pretty easy, FAMO. Which is just, it's a lot of uh, accordion, a lot of tin drumming, a lot of, I don't want to say blue-collar lyrics, but it's kind of folky lyrics, I guess you could say. And within the few first beats of this track, you know, had you not stumbled upon this, you know, amazing investigative podcast this morning, you you would immediately go, no, hang on a second, I've heard that, that sound. Like, I, I don't... Where do I know that from? Where where was it? Well, it was, it was on Paul Simon's Graceline. So let's get you into some FAMO with Taoi Meseka.
from Dalia Matsieka. Right, playing that Famo. music that, that opened the album Graceland to the World. Like this was our introductory um think about where you were the first time you heard this. You know, did you hear one of the the, the radio hits, you know, that you can call me out, I think was one of the first ones, or homeless or whatever it was, but I don't know. I'm 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 always intrigued into how people stumbled upon this album. Uh, even though I, I can't tell you how I did. Um, I, I, I've listened to it thousands of times. Um, so you would think I would, I would know. Maybe I played one of the songs uh, on the air when I was a radio DJ. I don't know. Um, and that's sad because I would love to kind of trace it back to, you know, anyway, I'm going on Rough Sundays, Erica's Queen. We're taking the next three weeks, yes, three weeks, to learn about the South African and surrounding countries in Lesotho. Uh, to learn about the, the songs and the artists who, who made that into such a special album. I need a better adjective than special, magnificent, powerful, whatever it is. My number one of all time. I mentioned that. Anyway. But we're also going to get into the controversy. Massive controversy around the album, which is something that I had read a few articles, but it wasn't until I got down here and started talking to people that it was, it got bad. Hang on, Coffee. It got really bad. I mean, we're talking grenades thrown in Paul Simon's uh, storage for his touring. Like, bad, bad, bad. Um, but it's a big story, and I thought since we would, we're going to break down the songs and the artists behind them, we can break this down into three parts, uh, the, the controversy as well. And the three parts are going to be, number one, what he did in making this album. We're going to talk about that this week. And then the next show, we're going to talk about the backlash. And there was huge amounts of backlash. We're talking like UN delegates chiming in, ANC pissed off. Harry Belafonte, strangely, uh, was involved as well. Like massive. And then on the third show, on the last show, uh, we'll talk about what happened afterwards. And of course, we're going to play the music. So it's going to be a it's going to it's going to be a fun packed, information packed show. Now let's get into that first part, what he did. And I think, um, you know, you're looking at it, lyrics like um, lasers in the jungle, right? Things like that, uh, you immediately go, oh, South Africa, lasers in the jungle, what was going on? The, the, the fact is very few lines of the album were written here. I think I was watching a documentary the other night that, that Simon said the only... Not the only, but I think the only thing that he wrote was the way the cameras follow us in slow motion. I think that was written in South Africa. Um, another thing that we need to say that needs to be said, that you need to know, is that, um, you know, Simon didn't spend months and months and months and months going around South Africa traveling. I think in our minds, at least to super fans, right? We want to think that, that he landed with a backpack and he was like super emotional after Princess Leia left him and he just started going village to village and hitchhiking and he had a little recording device and he would record them and it's mountain to mountain and tribe to tribe and then, you know, he got back to New York and he was feeling better and he had a little sun on his face and he went through all these hours and hours and hours of recording of the musical ceremonies or whatever. That's not how it happened. That's nowhere near how it happened. How it did is important though and it's going to creep back up in the next episode when we talk about backlash but in the early 1980s 
um, after we was going through that tough time, Simon became fascinated with a certain sound coming from South Africa. I was given a, a cassette. It was called Accordion Jive Hits by the Boyoyo Boys. I used to play this tape all the time. And, you know, after about three weeks of it, I said, you know, this is my favorite music. I can't, I'm not interested in listening to anything else. I found out that it came from South Africa. So I asked my record label, do we know anybody in South Africa? They said, yeah, this is uh, producer Hilton Rosenthal. I had the call from Paul Simon and he said that one of the cuts on side two, I think, was uh, called Gumboots. And uh, could I do some research? I asked Paul at that time what he wanted to do with the song. He said he had written some lyrics and he wasn't sure what he was going to do, but that he just wanted to record the song. Paul put the cassette in, played this thing, and he sang. And I said to him, you know, you can just do that here in, in New York. Just get a couple of great players, and, you know. You've got the instrumentation, and players could certainly do that. And he looked at me like, what? And he said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going down there. Now, you also have to remember, I think I mentioned this earlier, Hearts and Bones was a flop, like a commercial failure. Um, I think it was supposed to be an album for he and Garfunkel. I don't know if it was there getting along again or whatever. But he had kicked Garfunkel out, and Garfunkel had already laid down the, the vocal tracks on many of them. He ended up doing his own. So uh, it was a failure, commercially speaking. Pride was on the line. Anybody that reads anything about Simon, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of pride carrying Paul Simon, right? But he 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 used that to his advantage. Like I said, the record company was no longer keeping an eye on him, so he went down secretly. So. And it's important to remember that for the next episode, all right? Secretly so, he went down to Johannesburg and he spent uh, 10, 12 days recording with a bunch of artists that he had taken an interest in. Now, as well as mentioning it was secretive, it's important to mention that the going rate at that time for musicians was $15 an hour. Simon paid $200 an hour. This has been documented. Uh, and remember that. But with this came the difficulties in recording with black artists during apartheid. There was a, a, a culture uh, embargo, cultural embargo that we're going to get into next week, right? But all of this was done in secret. So 10, 12 days, he's recording, gets a lot of, um, you know, kind of local sounds, African sounds, and Lesotho sounds, or there's another word for things that come from Lesotho, but I don't remember. Anyway, back to the point. He'd come back to New York and he started on the production of the album. And apparently, well, as you can imagine, if you've heard the album, it was a nightmare to produce and edit, you know, since they were kind of just cherry picking from the the jam sessions, some of which, you know, just lasted 30, 40 minutes and then and finding a way to splice them in with Simon's own sound. Now, keep in mind, this is all being done by hand. This is pre-Pro Tools or, or pre-any musical editor. You know, so can you imagine him showing up with a bunch of reel-to-reels of the sounds of south africa and then telling his producers and engineers that he's gonna you know he's still gonna do the paul simon thing and they have to make it so it's all over the place and i, I think that does speak to the talents that produce this so they 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 got that 
they got a semblance of of some sort of album. And then he brought back Lady Smith, Blackman Bazo to do some pickups, you know, and which is one of the more heartwarming parts of the documentary that I mentioned. And we'll play that next episode. And then what they did with their Diamonds on the Soul Silver Shoes on Saturday Night Live, which basically blew up the entire musical industry and they become huge stars overnight. But again, we're going to talk more about that later. But what about Graceland? What about the song on the album Graceland? So it's Graceland on the album Graceland, but here's the rub, had nothing to do with Graceland. And I kept singing this chorus, I'm going to Graceland, I'm going to Graceland, and I kept thinking, well, of course, that'll go away because uh, the song is not about Elvis Presley or Graceland. I mean, it's a South African record, but it wouldn't go away. And finally, I said, you know, it's not going away. I better go to Graceland. I'd never been. I better make that trip and see what, maybe there's something about this that I'm supposed to find out. And had I not made that trip, I wouldn't have, you know, been able to have written the, the landscape that's, you know, is the first verse about the Mississippi Delta, shining like a national guitar. Shining like a national guitar.
City who calls herself the human trampoline. Sometimes when I'm falling, flying, tumbling, turmoil, I say, whoa, so this is what she means. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. And I see losing love is like a window in your heart. Everybody feels the wind blow You know who's singing the backup vocals there? Yeah. Poor boys and pilgrims with families, and we are going to Graceland. Everly Brothers. And my traveling companions are ghosts and empty sockets. I'm looking at ghosts and empties. That's right. The Everly Brothers. Such insight on this humble little show. And one that's taking uh, this and the following two episodes to not only go behind the scenes of what is one of the most popular albums of all time, Oprah's favorite, but more importantly, introducing you to those South African musicians who you hear in the background, which brings us to the fellow who, if you're like myself and, and what must be millions of others, was one of the first musicians that, and not singers, I think when you're talking about singers, we all became obsessed with Lady Smith, Blackman, Basso, but musicians from that album, and that would be the fretless bass player, I'm going to try this, Bakithi Kumalo. Uh, I mentioned him already, but but he was the one that just had that gorgeous, catchy, quirky, whimsical bass run. Uh, one of the, I think, one of the most famous in musical history, right? On You Can Call Me Owl. I'm not going to do it with my, I, like, it, it's in my head, and I really want to try to do it with my mouth, but I'm not going to. Um, so I want to do this, though, while the track Graceland is still in your head. I want to play Kumalo so you can you can hear how big of an impact his sound had on Paul Simon. It's rough Sundays.
Gone are the days when I was a, a, a DJ. I mean, I guess you would say a radio presenter, a radio host, because I never DJed, I never remixed any of the songs. But I'm guessing that if I speed up Graceland a tiny bit, it would fit perfectly on top of the track we just heard by Kamala. Hang on. Maybe my resident DJ set should wait until I have... A bit more time to work on it. Yeah, but you can hear the that, that trademark bass in the background. Um, and it's that bass played by Kumalo that that, that makes the song. Uh, Kumalo is, is another artist from Suwato. If, if there's one takeaway from all the shows we're doing down here in South Africa, it needs to be that township of Suwato. Um, still my favorite place in South Africa. But anyway, well, Kumalo, let's get back to the music, Eric. Sorry, Kumalo... In the, I mean, you can, it, it, it was, it's a shanty town. It's still a shanty town. It's, it's, it's not even the ghetto. I mean, it's, it's as poor as you can possibly imagine Soweto. Um, but Kumalo, the bass player who we're talking about, he got his start at the age of seven there. Obviously blew up after Graceland and has since uh, played on, I mean, who is it? He's played with Herbie Hancock, Cindy Lauper, Grover Washington, and about a hundred more. Um, anyway, let's get back to Graceland, because if I, as you can tell already, I can, I am, this is my album. This is it. This, this, this says autobiographically speaking, I can point to this album or different tracks being at such important parts of my life. And we'll get into that, um, next week, but I want to get back to the music and with another incredible baseline, but this time with a bit of a fantastic South African 
twist. It's Rough Sundays. She thought I was all right All right in the sort of a limited way For an off night She said, don't I know you From the cinematographer's party I said, who am I To blow against the wind I know what I know It weren't that funny I said, what does that mean? I really remind you of money She said, oh, who am I To blow against the wind? I know what I know I'll say what I've said you the woman who was recently given a full bright she said don't i know you from the cinematographer's party i said who am i to blow against the wind i know what i know i'll say what i've said originally recorded with General Shirinda and the Gaza sisters, their Shangan. The Shangan sound was electric guitar based with a, with a pop band around it and some very strange, to Westerners anyway, strange sounds of the female vocalists doing a wailing sound in the background. It's different because it's like <laughs> uh, you're singing out of tune sometimes, but it, that is how it should sound.
And now you know why General Shrinda has a co-writing credit on I Know What I Know, because it's it's Simon basically, not basically, he did just repurpose the song you heard. Into his own. This is this is that previous song Simonized. That's it. It's it's part one of the story, stories behind Graceland. Part one of three. Like such a massive undertaking. When I had this idea, I originally just thought, oh, we can play little samples from it. No way. Like we need to get into uh, the background of that album, the controversy, but most importantly, the, the artist behind it. So we'll be back next week to dive into tracks four through seven of Graceland. It's Rough Sundays. Subscribe, Spotify, Amazon, Google, all that, whatever. Do what you want. I'll see you next week from South Africa when we talk again about Graceland. See you later.